1: It's the KC Laboratory presented by m Bank. Whether you're borrowing for today or saving for tomorrow, m is your partner in possible. Just think of them as your Chad Henne in the third quarter of the 2020 AFC Divisional Round. m Bank, member FDIC. So appreciative of them and all they've done for KC Sports Network. And I'm also appreciative of my dear pals here that I'm going to talk about my favorite football team with. Um, first off, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. I'm telling you the shirt that you're wearing, the Casey Sports Network shirt you're wearing is great. My question is, why haven't you cut the sleeves off of it yet? Well, now that we do these
3: podcasts and we put them in video form on YouTube, I do think that, you know, I got to keep, make sure the nipples stay completely covered. And when I make a tank top, we go with the low cut. And every now and then they used to slide out when we did these podcasts. Craig knows that's why he's embarrassed. So yeah. we, have, we have to keep the sleeves on. And I went ahead and went safe. You know, we went three quarter sleeve, pull it down over the elbow. So that way there's no chance of somebody playing peekaboo over here. And uh, so besides that, I'm doing great. I'm glad you asked though, because this is just more pressure. If you guys want tank tops in the KC Sports Network merchandise store, please let us know because I've been trying to get them in there. It's, Nobody it's, else has yet. It's for Maddie's sake. Maddie's
1: trying to he's trying to crowdfund support for him to get KCSN tank tops. Correct. And I,
3: I think this is a great idea. Craig, why why is Kent laughing at this?
2: I have no idea. I'm just still hung up on the fact that you had to wear a shirt that's down past your elbow to make sure your nipples don't pop out. But, (laughs) listen, sometimes you have to be safe. Yeah, I'm just ready. (laughs) I'm ready to talk about the Chiefs. I'm ready to talk about their opponents. You guys seem to like these previews of the season coming up as we're trying to get through to training camp here. So we got a couple more teams on the roster. Let's go. Yeah, we got one team we don't see very often, and then one team we're going to have a lot of fun dunking
1: on. Uh, it is but week 11, we're going to start there with the Dallas Cowboys. Craig, quality of the roster for Jerry's team?
2: I, I mean, it's not bad. Uh, it, it's led by Dak Prescott. I think we're all curious to see how he's going to look, you know, coming back this year and see the kind of player that he was, his growth curve has been so good so far, and I think you're looking to see if that's continuing or not. They've got good receivers. Zeke is a really good player as well. They got a couple pieces on the defensive side of the football as well, but that's that's certainly a lot weaker compared to the offensive side. But it is an overall pretty good roster. I, I'll be curious to see how it looks once we get to this point in the season. They might be gelling a little bit better than I think that we're we're all looking at on paper right now. This might be a really competent squad by the time the chiefs see them late in the season
3: so when i look at this cowboys roster the first thing i think of is if every nfl team got together in an anchorman style fight this is the one roster that would rival the chiefs in that parking lot battle because you know they have a lot of guys that have some off-field issues so that's just the first thing that jumps out at me because there's not a lot of teams you know that have as many players They're essentially, their entire 2021 draft class is guys with off-field issues. Like It's wild when you go through this group of players, how many guys have been in legal trouble or had rumors swirling about them off the field. But once I get past that and I start to look at this, the next thing that jumps out, this might be the best wide receiver group in the NFL. I mean, those top three guys, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, that's a phenomenal group. And then you add a personal favorite, Simi Fahoko, Cedric Wilson, I think, as well to that group. They have some receiving options for Dak Prescott to work with, so they should be able to score points. The big question is is that defense gonna be any better than it was last year? Because wow, that was bad. And I just don't know if they added enough pieces to kind of close that gap in a single season.
1: They really didn't add a ton of pieces defensively. There's a couple, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure, here. Um, there was a key player in the mix. Um uh, as a linebacker, actually uh, outside of the draft, even too well, technically classified as a linebacker, um, but they did they did throw a lot of draft picks at their at their defense because there is a lot of there are a lot of building blocks and quality pieces along that offense and the offensive line. There's some questions about health there for sure uh, if that group can stay healthy because there's been stretches in the last five years where the Dallas Cowboys have had the best offensive line in the entire National Football League. So. It's a question of if they can stay healthy on that side of the football. But the roster on paper is pretty quality. Uh, Definitely some moving pieces and parts and some needs to kind of get some some situations, some issues resolved on the defensive side of the football. And in to do that is Dan Quinn to that defensive coaching staff, right, Matty?
3: Yeah, they, they got Dan Quinn in there, and I think the big thing with Dan Quinn is it gives their defense a new identity. Well, actually, it's not really that new. It's very similar to what they had in the past, but it's a new guy to lead it. They're bringing in you know, Quinn, a guy that has a certain level of pedigree in coaching circles. He very much is going to run that Seattle-style cover three. He has adapted it or adopted a little bit more nuance to his game than some of the other guys have lately, but he's no Gus Bradley with it. He's still pretty structured, and it's going to be three deep. Your corners are playing deep. You're going to have a like safety dropping down. Like It's very straightforward, but I do think that you get a guy in there that players will have to respect. Hopefully, he can start to get better – or maximize the linebacker talent that they have and get better linebacker play. Because this team has a ton of linebacker talent. You look at Dan Quinn in the past, he's got a lot out of linebackers at every step he's gone, stop he's made. So hopefully he can do that here for the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, and he gets his guys to play hard for him. I think we, we saw that with kind of a little bit of a lame duck Falcons season you know, the past couple of years where he's really gotten guys to play hard. So I don't, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think he's going to have those guys prepared and ready for game day. I am looking a little bit at this secondary. I mean, they've got Reggie Robinson, Jordan Lewis, Trevon Diggs, you know, Kelvin Joseph, a lot of younger guys that I think haven't quite hit the standards that you would expect and their secondary coach is Al Harris a guy that was with the Chiefs you know for a little while i think we all liked al harris when he was in kansas city at least from the pressers and things like that like he was a good listen i think you you saw him say a lot of the things that uh that you wanted to hear at the time when he was under bob sutton so he was not retained when steve spagnolo came over obviously that's not been a bad thing sam madison's been amazing but for him to come back here and be able to try and you know he's stuck with this roster with dan quinn coming over so i'm very curious to see if he can make strides with this group of guys because they're a young talented bunch they could really turn the corner quick if he can get them to play mike mccarthy makes me laugh
1: Mike McCarthy makes me laugh. And no, wait, I think wait. about
3: and more or less
1: than Jason Garrett. I think more Mike, J- <laughs> Jason Garrett was just kind of there. Mike McCarthy flat out told the entire world. He lied in his interview. <laughs> he told Jerry Jones, Word. he watched every single play of the, like of every offensive play in the NFL. And then when they, when he got called on it, he's like, yeah, about that. It didn't happen. <laughs> and his first his first season kind of went like that. it's just, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe maybe a little false hope. He had to fire his defensive coordinator. He made a decision to go with Mike Nolan in year one. Failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh I I think, you know, Kellen Moore is a nice is a nice piece to be involved there, but you also have to wonder if there's a little bit of Mike McCarthy. Maybe not wanting him and Jerry Jones wanting him to be around. Uh, there just kind of seems like, you know, G- I think Kellen Moore is one of the brightest young offensive minds. There was some speculation that he might bolt for Boise, didn't. Uh, but Kellen, Moy- Kellen Moore still being involved was a critical uh, retention by Jerry Jones and m- maybe Mark Mike McCarthy was okay with it. I'm not sure. But, uh, I, you know, this is such a, it's a fascinating, you know, just the whole thing's just interesting to me because it was off to a rocky start in year one. Going to be interesting with a full year of Dak Prescott and his coaching staff. All right, let's talk about some new additions, Craig.
2: Yeah, um, I'll start with the first round pick this season. Uh, Micah Parsons, uh, the best linebacker in this draft. I, I had him rated there. I, I think all of us had him rated there. He's just a, a freak athlete. That reads the game well. He can cover, he can, he's he's a slippery guy, knifing into the backfield. He has the chance to step right in and be an incredible impact splash player. Now, unfortunately, there's so much off-field that came with Micah Parsons. So there are questions about whether or not he's going to, you know click at the NFL level. He's got a lot of money in his pocket now. You know He made first round money. So let's see where that takes him. Let's see what that next step is for him. Can he stay on the straight and narrow for that and be able to be the impact player that I know he can't because you turn on the tape and he is everywhere. Now he's got to be on the field to do that. So let's see If that can be the case for this Cowboys defense, he could be a massive addition right from jump street for this team.
3: When you just going back to Dan Quinn, you look at what he was able to do with Deion Jones there in Atlanta, who eventually became their Mike linebacker, which is where Micah Parsons is listed right now, even though he's a little bit more of a run and chase style guy, similar to what I think it's a good fit. So I do think they can maximize him. I'm going to stick at the same general position and go with Keanu Neal, who Quinn brings with him from Atlanta. He's currently listed as a weak side linebacker for them. But then I look at their strong safety depth chart and I just don't see how they don't play Neal at strong right. safety. I feel right. like this is the silliest thing going on right now. He's, You look at what Quinn was able to do with Keanu Neal. He played him out wide in that cover three system. He played him as a boundary corner, essentially covering a third of the field when teams put a tight end in a Y iso formation. So I do think Keanu Neal is going to play safety. I think, yeah, he'll play in the box lot, but he'll be a safety for them. And I think looking at their safety play over the last, Jesus, half a decade maybe a full decade has been really, really bad. So if you're a Cowboys fan and you want to feel good about something, you may just have gotten your best safety in a good five, six, seven years right here.
1: Well, look at, I didn't just look at their linebacker group and you've got Micah Parsons, a first round pick. Jalen Smith would have been a first round pick. I think he wound up going in the second round and just got a big extension. Leighton Vander Esch, first round pick. Now Keanu Neal in the mix. What a, like, if, if they're not trying to figure out ways to utilize Keanu Neal outside of the quote-unquote will linebacker position, if he's not, you know, your strong safety in some situations, I think that's just a glaring mistake. Um, let's talk a little bit, I guess, about... Oh, the funny thing... Oh, the other funny thing is Jabril, Jabril Cox is there, too. This, yeah. team,
2: this team loves linebackers. They love linebackers more than the Chiefs love
1: linebackers.
2: Give us one of these. These are good, talented players. Give us some linebackers. I would gladly take you
1: know, one or two of these. Um, I'll go with Kelvin Joseph. Uh, he's a safety or a cornerback. I'm sorry, a, a longer limbed, athletic, younger safety. Uh, his tape, there's some real promising play there, but consistency is the key for him, especially as a young player. There's some coachability questions out there for him. It's going to be fascinating to see, you know, along. There's a lot of question marks for the entirety of this draft class, and Kelvin Joseph is no different. <laughs> uh, so, but he's, you know, he's the talent and he fits this defense perfectly he's another one of those long lengthy cornerbacks real ideal fit for this defense uh gonna be fascinating to see how he can play year one they've got some really quality length along that you know along that cornerback group with him trevon Diggs. that's a really nice group there funny enough they got israel mukuamu uh it'd be interesting to see where he operates too does he play outside does he play safety you know some talk that he might be a safety i it, i i I put him outside at corner still.
2: I like him out. At play corner. him everywhere. Play him everywhere. Be their be entire versatile.
3: their entire yeah. defense is guys that should just play everywhere.
2: Yeah, I love it. It it could be fun. We'll see what happens with Dan Quinn though. Like, I mean, he's a very rigid dude that, that ends up with all these guys that can kind of play a little bit of everywhere.
1: All right. Some players to watch. I'll start us off. And Maddie, I'm gonna show you Grace and leave your favorite player in the world open for you to talk uh-huh. about. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going. So I'll just go ahead and talk about Tyron Smith, uh, who has consistently, uh, in the last 10 years, been one of the best tackles in football. There's just, he's an exceptional rare talent. He is a great athlete or was he a great athlete? That's the big question friend. There's a lot of issues with him. Injury wise, he's starting to get on the down downward trend of his career. How does he bounce back this year? Is he able to play? Is he able to sustain consistent play? Um, are we going to get to see the Tyron Smith of old or clo- I mean, maybe not the entire, you know, Tyron Smith of old, but are we going to get, you know, I, th- I think a, a, an older veteran Tyron Smith that maybe not be, maybe isn't the same athlete that he's been is still a high quality tackle. I hope that we get to see that version of him or close to that version of him again, because he is, a, he is a treat to watch. Um, guys don't move the way he's able to move. And even 85% of his movement skills are better than most tackles
2: in the National Football League. I'm going with the best offensive lineman on this offensive line, Zach Martin. Uh, Zach Martin might yep. be the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. And I've now managed to piss off another AFC East team. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, Quentin Nelson. Um, South, no, Zach AFC Mar- South. You don't get names of anything right. (laughs) I ever. Hey, listen. I got Zach Martin right. Give me credit. Might as well just move
3: the Titans to the AFC East.
2: He almost. He almost called them the Indianapolis Hoosiers. I did. I did. (laughs) Love the Hoosiers. Now uh, Zach Zach Martin is amazing. Like uh, this guy, uh, he does a little bit of everything, and he does it at the highest possible level. He's kind of the prototype. Like he really does from a size athleticism strength. Like he's got everything you can put him in any scheme and he's going to thrive. He played right tackle for this team for a little bit last year because they needed guys to really shift around. And he even did that well before he had, you know, he had to go on injured reserve for a little bit, but he's back. They're going to have guys around him to where he can actually play his preferred guard position, and he's going to be this top-shelf guy. You know, he's been basically one of the all-pro team. You know, he's been on an all-pro team for like five or six years for this Cowboys team, but he wasn't on one last year because of everything that he had to go through. You better believe that that man wants to be on an all-pro team again. You're going to see him at, you know, like a crazy high-level plan. So I'm excited to watch Zach Martin again this season.
3: Uh, I'm going with C.D. Lamb. I do think the Randy Gregory, you know, storyline is going to be a lot of fun to watch just seeing him come back. But C.D. Lamb, I had him as my number one wide receiver when he was coming out into the draft last year. I think you saw when Dak Prescott and that offense was clicking, C.D. Lamb was on pace to have a historic rookie season. He was right there. His projections would have been really close to Justin Jefferson, what he was able to do year for the Vikings. So he was on his way to having a great season. Then it kind of tailored off once they had quarterbacks slide in and out and that offense fell off. But I think C.D. Lamb in year two, I think he's going to come close to taking over Amari Cooper's role as their number one wide receiver by the end of the season. I do think he's that good. I think the Cowboys will try to funnel more production through him because he's going to be there long term, whereas Amari Cooper probably to be past this current contract that he did recently sign and then they added 13 more wide receivers very strange roster building that team has undergone lately i can't get beyond that
1: cornering the market on wide receivers and quartering the market on linebackers but here's the most important question boys how do the dallas cowboys beat the kansas city chiefs tell me maddie going back to what i was just saying this team
3: has one of the best groups of wide receivers in the nfl as Canton Craig said, they have really good, and have in the past, have had a really good offensive line. If you get Dak Prescott of the first few weeks last year, this is another team that could keep pace with the Chiefs offensively. They could score points to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Maybe Randy Gregg does come back and pick up where he left off, where he was starting to peak. You get DeMarcus Lawrence is coming on, having another super strong year. Maybe these linebackers all start to gel. This Defense can get some timely stops, but this could be a shootout between these two offenses. And you always have to good quarterbacks with this kind of weapon.
1: It's a shootout. That's how this team, you know, they, is able to to beat the Chiefs. They have enough offensive py- firepower. Maybe Keanu Neal is athletic enough to and to hold up and, and, and hold up this particular game against Travis Kelsey uh, a little bit and help there. That's this. That's the formula: a shootout. And, you know, hopefully some of the athleticism at the second level at defense, which has given the Chiefs problems. Athleticism at the second level of Mm -hmm. defenses has given the Chiefs some problems in some key games. That's the
2: formula to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I could see that being the case. I'm going to go right in that same vein. If these cornerbacks can turn around a bunch of young, long guys and they can blanket these Chiefs receivers, obviously throwing a little safety help at Tyreek Hill, you might see him actually be able to take away travis kelsey a little bit with these athletic linebackers and if that happens and they're able to take away travis kelsey and tyree kill now all of a sudden you've got patrick mahomes having to win with the third and the fourth guy the fourth receiving option not to say he can't but i think we think that the cowboys are going to put up points so i do think that there is a chance to where this defense can play well enough to limit the chiefs offense and score enough points on the other side of the board to win All right, who's the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP? I'll go with a
1: non-Mahomes player this week. Fine. And how about let's go with McCole Hardman here. Let's throw in a little change up in here a little bit. The Chiefs love to run four verticals out of the three-by-one look. So you cut Tyreek Hill across the field, occupy that middle field safety. You run McColl Hardman up the other seam. He's running unchecked. He's not getting pressed at the line of scrimmage. There's a chance for some explosive plays out of that three-by-one look Putting that middle field safety in conflict and more than likely cheating a little bit to Tyree kill one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. This is explosive play potential for McCole Hardman to get one of those big plays down the field. It's time to mix it up. Let's throw McCole. Let's go. Let's throw McCole Hardman into the mix here. I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill.
2: Uh, I think with these receiving threats and the ability to get vertical, that Juan Thornhill returning to form. Being the player that we know that he can be as a deep safety could be a major impact guy. I, we, we know that Tyron Matthews is elite and that he's going to patrol the middle of the field there really, really well. Juan Thornhill could be the guy on the back end to really make some plays. And if he can make some plays there, maybe come up with a pick, couple PBUs, keep this offense in enough check to where the Chiefs can build a lead and force the Cowboys to be a little more one-dimensional.
3: Guys, I'm going with Travis Kelsey here because it's a zone defense. I don't think they have anybody that can line up on him in man-to-man coverage, but I want to use my time on this segment for something else. We just talked about the Dallas Cowboys for like 20 minutes now, and I don't think we mentioned the name Ezekiel Elliott more than a single time. Arguably, as of last offseason, people would have put him as their number three running back in the NFL. We just talked about a team for 20 minutes, and we didn't mention his name once. I don't know if he plays a particularly big part in them beating the chiefs, but if their run game is going, you know, give me a little bit of Derek naughty, a little bit of Jaron Reed coming in, trying to stuff the run, but they can be co-secondary MVPs to Travis Kelsey, who wins the non
1: Mahomes MVP award.
2: That's just how good that offense is. I (laughs) I
1: have zero regrets about mentioning Zeke Elliott. He was bad last year. The contract is an albatross and the running back position continues to fall by the wayside. But I'm they, sorry. Didn't have Dak. they didn't have Dak. I don't have – no. Dude, Zeke looked bad. It had nothing – it was not a – Dak's not their problem. It was a Zeke didn't look explosive problem. Zeke couldn't hold on to the football problem. Zeke couldn't catch catch the ball comfortably problem. It was just a Zeke problem. It was a Zeke got paid problem. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have zero regret. He did he, not look like the same dude. He did
3: it so you don't think there's a chance he rebounds this year and comes back to being the bet, bet, looking like the best running back
1: in the NFL? I don't think it's impossible, but also great. You have the best running back in football, yay, whatever,
2: cool with a good offensive line and a good quarterback. A I'm, good more excited your about, wide receivers. I'm more excited yeah. about
1: everything else about that offense, but okay. no, I'm I just I, I I I lost a little respect for Zeke last year because he he looked he looked dumpy. I'm sorry, it's time to move on to something else. You know what time it is? Something not dumpy. You know what time it is? (sighs) It's McAdoodles time.
2: Guys, you've heard me talk about McAdoodles. You heard it last week. I'm here to talk about it again because it's phenomenal. The customer service, the way that they take care of you when you are in these liquor stores is elite. It is Patrick Mahomes level elite they take such good care of you they do they go out of your way to make sure that you are happy to give you the right recommendations and to get you walking out of there with something that you want and that's something that you'll drink and something at a very fair price they're not going to gouge you they're not going to try and rake you over the coals that's not what they do they're going to come in and they're going to recommend something just like i'm going to recommend something to you right now avery white rascal that I recommended to my good pal and our new podcast producer, Tucker Franklin, gave him that recommendation. He loved it. Go to McAdoodles, get that. And once again, if you are a franchisee, you're looking to bring one to Kansas City, which you should, get a hold of Roger. Get a hold of him via email at info at Get him hooked up. Let's get one in Kansas City.
3: Now, Craig, one more question here. When the Chiefs go into their bye week in Week 12, 11-0, what would be the perfect drink to get at McAdoodles for that Sunday?
2: Oh, my, for that Sunday. Well, if they're 11-0 and they're getting ready to do this, man, I think you got to go with, like, a nice Elijah Craig small batch, a bottle of that, just something that you're going to really enjoy as a victory, a celebration drink for after the game's over
3: because you're sitting nice and cozy at the top of the afc standings i like it That's
2: absolutely a little
3: cozy drink absolutely. right there
1: all right moving on week 12 the chiefs play nobody and we all take a nice nap week 13 though
2: drink that elisha craig I- that entire <laughs> bye week <laughs> <laughs> week 13 though the Denver
1: Broncos come into Kansas City to try to finally beat Patrick Lavon Mahomes. This might be a little fun. Craig, what's the quality of the roster?
2: Man, this roster is excellent. It really is. Like you look at it, and there are so many pieces to like. We just got done talking about good wide receivers. The Broncos have stellar wide receivers as well. I think you saw Tim Patrick take a step last year, and they're getting Cortland Sutton back. They've got Jerry Judy, so they've got a lot of guys there. K.J. Hamler, we'll see if he if he takes that step this year. We will see, but he's, he's a guy that we liked, and we would like to see him kind of progress in that way. Noah Fant is a ridiculously good tight end as well. I think that they've gotten a little bit of production out of that offensive line as well. And then on the defensive side of the ball, my goodness, they are good. They are getting Von Miller back. I think, you know, Shelby Harris is a ridiculously good player. Bradley Chubb is a ridiculously good player. I mean, Maddie, Maddie, gush about more of these defenders. Like, I, I could go on all day about how good this defense could be.
3: This roster is really steady all the way through. I think earlier when we did the Washington football team, I talked about how outside of quarterback, it's one of the one of the best rosters in the NFL. This Broncos roster would be the other one I'd pit right up there next to it. And similarly, they have the same kind of issue. Both linebacker groups aren't great. Both quarterbacks are massive question marks. But outside that, it's a good roster. You got receiving weapons. you got talent on the offensive line. Maybe there's been some up and down play, but there is talent across the board for all five spots. you got a defensive line that meshes well together with some good run stuffers up the middle. Bradley Chubb. I think people don't understand how good of a season he had last year without Von Miller by himself as essentially their lone pass rusher. He was excellent, especially in those games versus the Chiefs. So I think there's just a lot of guys on this defense, on this offense to be excited about. The issue is they have massive Achilles heels at linebacker and at quarterback, and we've seen the Chiefs defense falter at linebacker, but we have the quarterback to cover for it. Denver Broncos certainly do not with Drew Locke.
1: Certainly do not but you're right this this defense is great and this is probably to Vic Fangio's liking and he's probably going to try to put this team and create this team in the formula for success in the mold of himself in the mold of his identity as a defensive football coach and I can't say that's a bad thing because Vic Fangio when he has the the you know the pieces he needs he's had a lot of success in this league and he can present some challenges and and make this a you know a difficult team to try to score against he's going to need to do it because the quarterback position is not resolved even a little bit. Uh, Drew Locke is somehow a better dancer than he is a quarterback. Uh, Let's talk about the quality of the staff here for the Denver Broncos. And, you know, I I guess I actually really like Vic Fangio. I know it's kind of been up and down for him, uh, you know, his early tenure, but I actually think he's a guy that you give a, a long leash to. And I'm glad that the Broncos did give a long leash to a guy like this, especially since the quarterback position is not particularly strong. I know we keep hammering on it, but it's just the reality. It's the thing that's holding this team back. Um Vic Fangio, he's, ha- he's, he's been a guy that's been able to produce top five defenses in this league. Um And I think, you know, there's, yeah, the ceiling for a defensive minded football team, you know, it still relies on what happens at the quarterback position, but, You know, if you don't have that guy at quarterback and you're still searching for that guy, what this team has done to build around him has been really good. And Vic Fangio, I think, has earned the opportunity to continue to see this thing through. Maybe they can attract Aaron Rodgers next year and make things interesting. Uh, But that's, you know, he's a he's a he's a good defensive minded coach. He's let's let's be real. He's the defensive
2: coordinator for this football team. And uh, he's a good one at that. Yeah, he's a really good one. And the guy that's wearing the defensive coordinator label is Ed Donatel, and he's been a secondary coach for this team for the past three or four years. Before that, he was a secondary coach with the Chicago Bears and the 49ers. He has had success literally everywhere that he has gone, and he has a stocked roster in the secondary. He will have zero problems getting the most out of all these guys. I'm sure we'll talk about some of these guys coming up in some upcoming segments here, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how he gets the young guys to progress, how he gets that group to play together. Because frankly, if they weren't in the AFC West, I would be actively rooting for this defense to be good because it's just so it's going to be so much fun with this coaching staff and with this amount of talent on this team to really be a good defensive football team.
3: So I think going back to what Kent said, where if you don't have the quarterback and you're a defensive minded football team, this is, the way, this is how you go about doing it. And I agree. And I think getting an offensive coordinator like Pat Shermer would make a lot of sense for that style of football. West Coast offense, you get the ball out quick. It's not necessarily run heavy, but you're still trying to move the chains, matriculate the ball down the field. You're just using, you know, you're spreading the field out. You're getting short, quick passes. You're running into favorable boxes with a good running back room. So I like what Pat Shermer can bring to this offense. The problem is Drew Locke can't play in a West Coast offense very well because he likes to hold the football. And then he likes to chuck it downfield and it becomes a problem. So I think Pat Shermer is going to have to kind of mold his offensive game plan to fit Drew Locke's play style a little bit better than he did last year because right now it's just two different play styles at war with one another and it's really not working. It's not helping Drew Locke develop. It's not helping Pat Shermer shine as an offensive coordinator. Those two need to get together and show a little bit more cohesion or this is never going to get off the ground.
2: Let's Uh, Before we get on to the next part, before we get on to the next part, Do we think that Teddy Bridgewater has a shot by this point in the season to be playing? I mean, a a guy who can run the West Coast offense, a guy that Pat Shermer doesn't have to make accommodations for in that same way. Now, that's not saying that I think that Drew Locke is definitively going to fail, but it may be one of those situations where Pat Shermer says, listen, I'm getting guys open. I'm getting the offense running the way that I want to. I just need a guy who can come in and run it. I think he could. Uh, I think he could get some wins out of this football team. I think Teddy Bridgewater does
1: enough to protect the football that they can kind of win and operate with that formula of, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's ceilings low, but his ability to run the offense, his ability to distribute the ball to the playmakers and let them do the heavy lifting, protect the football enough and let the defense kind of do their work. That's a formula for winning in the regular season. The ceiling of this team is determined by if Drew Lock can step up and make a, you know, growth. Uh, in development as a player enough that, you know, that he shows enough promise where this team isn't thinking about trying to go elsewhere next year. I, neither of these guys are the solution. One is just the ceiling and the other one is the floor that can help you win football games now. So Vic Fangio can go nine and eight this year, or 10 and seven with Teddy Bridgewater potentially, but they're not winning the playoffs and they aren't really a legitimate threat in any way, shape or form with Teddy Bridgewater under center. The only chance they have a you know an opportunity to actually be a threat, believe it or not, is if Drew Locke reaches the ceiling. I think Teddy Bridgewater
3: fits what Pat Shermer wants to do significantly more, though, and. While I don't think the offense would ever be high execution, like they wouldn't have great results, I do think if everybody was on the same page, I think you could see their cohesion hit a competent enough level that the offense becomes competent. And you get the way this defense looks on paper, you get that into the playoffs with a competent offense, not a great one, but one that can just do its job. And Pat Shermer is good enough to beat some average to below average defenses with his scheme. I think they could make a little bit more noise than what we might be giving them credit for. The issue is, I think, can't hit the nail on the head. Teddy Bridgewater is not the solution. Why are you going to bench a guy that possibly could be the solution for Teddy Bridgewater? Even if it does make sense, I think that would only happen if they are going to choose Pat Shermer over Drew Locke going forward, and I highly doubt that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of – I don't know. This seems like a make or break year for Drew Locke this year. So, I mean, I don't I think I think you move on from Drew Locke if he hasn't shown enough after this season. And I don't care if it's if if you have a Pat Shermer problem or not. I just don't know if if Drew Locke's shown enough to say, boy, you know what? It was a Pat Shermer problem. Like I don't really think we've seen enough from from Drew Locke to this point that you're talking yourself into a regime change on the offensive side of the coaching staff is really going to be what unlocks his talent. Because there's a lot of mistakes that should not be made, especially. I mean, quarterbacks are are coming into the league making less of the mistakes that Drew Lock Drew Lock is making. There are some every year. There are going to be rookies this year that make less mistakes than Drew Lock does.
3: But here would be my pushback: is that at week 13, there's still enough time left that you can jettison Pat Shermer, get you know an intern interim offensive coordinator that might have a slightly different system, and let Drew Lock. Test out that system before you're just going to Teddy Bridgewater. I think at this point, if you decide that the Drew Lock, Pat Shermer thing isn't working, I doubt you're keeping either one of them. You just got to move on from both going forward. So give Drew Lock a chance in a slightly different system. Whoever would be replacing him for that short period of time. That's what I look at now. I would also start Teddy Bridgewater from week one and try to win this year because I'm not a I'm not a Drew Lock fan. He he tries too hard to be B Rabbit from Eight Mile and just place quarterback like I imagine Eminem would on a football I- field. So.
1: I kind of have a feeling like, yes, Vic Fangio is getting a long leash, but I do have a feeling if they don't win football games this year, you know, if they're they're week nine and they're, you know, three and six. Four and, you know, even four and five, I bet you I bet you the reins get handed over
2: to Teddy B because they're just going to try to win some football games and, you know, and see, I, I fully believe that this team is going to try and add a veteran quarterback next off season. And they're going to try and make a splash because they tried to do it a couple of times this off season. I think, you're, I think you're going to see him go all in on that. So I'm not sure I might be with Maddie there. I'm not sure that Pat Shermer or drew lock is going to be the guy, but that's, That's for a next offseason. But to Ken's point, though,
3: Vic Fangio has a long leash, but he also didn't really get a head coaching job until really deep into his career. And that's probably for a reason. You know, he definitely had the option or opportunities to get a head coaching job before and didn't. So now that he finally got one, if they're sitting there at three and six again, I don't know if he can survive another top, you know, one of the 10 worst teams in the NFL kind of years and be back next season. They might be a full changeover from top to bottom.
1: All right, let's talk about some new additions, Maddie. What you got?
3: Oh, there's a couple guys over here, but I'm going to stick with uh, Patrick Sertan, the second. I think he was the best, second best cornerback in this draft class, depending on who you ask. Very similar to JC Horn, would have been the other guy in the competition. Just big. Physical cornerbacks. I love Patrick Sertan's technique. I think, even more than his technique, I love how confident he is in his own ability. I think he does a really good job never panicking, always playing proper technique, reading good leverage. I think he is going to be kind of a game changer for that defense. He gives them a guy that could be a lockdown corner in the next couple seasons, probably a really good player this first year as a rookie. And most importantly, he chose a single digit number two to wear on the field. So you might as well get his bus ready for Canton right now.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go with one of the draft favorites this year. Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater, a guy we got to see at the Senior Bowl, did a fantastic job. Uh, Really, you know, he made the most of all of his opportunities. Um, against top-level talent, against talent that he really didn't get to see much of at the Division Three level, a guy with an exceptional athletic profile. I think I like him best as a center, which is interesting because he's going up probably against one of our other favorites in recent draft memory, memory, Lloyd Cushenberry, out of LSU back in 2020, a couple center candidates that we really liked uh, for the Chiefs, now kind of duking it out a little bit along the interior of their offensive line there for uh for denver it's it's actually an interesting group and um you know garrett Bowles has played competently uh he's played actually pretty well uh for the most part that line's kind of coming together there's really not a lot of excuses for drew lock because they've insulated that offensive line well there's a lot of weapons for him uh they've given him a a a bell cow running back too to work with i mean this is a this is a group primed and ready and there's some depth along the offensive line and potentially another starter in quinn Miners, a guy with a really high ceiling.
2: Yeah, my guy is Kyle Fuller. Uh, Kyle Fuller got cut by the Bears in March, and there was pretty much next to no discussion about where he was going. There was no courting process. He was coming here to play for this organization and play for these coaches that he loved so much when he played with them and with the Bears. And frankly, he's got a shot to be ridiculously good. He's got Awesome safety play behind him. He's got Sertan opposite him. They're going to put him in the best chance to succeed. Oh, and he's also got Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in front of him. So I think he's in for an absolute career year. We're going to be talking about Kyle Fuller in one of the upper echelons again. I I really do think so. He has a chance to be that good within this scheme. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play this year. Wow. All right. Players
1: to watch for the Denver Broncos. And you know what, I'm going to go with Von Miller. He's a guy we didn't get to see last year. He's on the tail end of his career. Um, He's been, he's kind of, he's the godfather of pass rushers in in the AFC West. And, you know, Melvin Ingram sitting out there in free agency. This is one of the older pass rushers, but he's still, you know, he's been an effective pass rusher. It's gonna be interesting to see him coming off injury. That's the big question for him. Is there anything left in Von Miller's tank uh, coming off an injury kind of on the tail end of his career fascinating to watch you know what it's going to look like for him because this is a big year, year for
2: him as well uh contractually yeah i'm going with Cortland sutton uh courtland sutton had an injury last year took wow. weird yeah yeah but had an injury last year and was a monster in 2019 was it absolute matchup nightmare for everybody who went up against him. I think we all remember the play that Tyron Matthew took away from him. That was about one of the only ones that we saw defenders take away from him that you know he had his chance to get his hands on. So he got hurt in week one. I think he's got a chance to come out. And play at a really high level again and give Drew Locke that stability on the outside, that guy that he can trust. And then he's going to elevate the play of Tim Patrick. He's going to elevate the play of Jerry Judy. We're going to be seeing him really kind of bring this offense to a new level, regardless of how Drew Locke plays. I think Cortland Sutton can be that stable presence on the outside because I do think that he's one of the better receivers in the NFL.
3: Yeah, that was definitely going to be mine. I was going to follow up CD <laughs> Lamb with um one of my, probably my second or third favorite non-Chiefs wide receiver, CD Lamb, and then Cortland Sutton's definitely up there. Love big-bodied wide receivers, and he's one of the best in the league right now that doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But that's okay. You know, the defensive guy will take my offensive playmaker. That's fine. We'll go with uh, Garrett Bowles. He actually had a career year last year. Garrett Bowles, from a Chiefs fan perspective, had been abysmal playing offensive tackle until last year. Now, on one hand, I want to say, well, that's because the NFL called like no holding penalties last year, and Garrett Bowles <laughs> almost always leads the NFL in holding penalties. On the other hand, they do have a, they've done a really good job coaching him up over the last few seasons. He's getting better and better. Broncos fans that you know I know well and trust do say that he plays a little bit better than what I had thought, just based on the Chiefs' viewing sometimes. But I do want to see Garrett Bowles. Is he ready to take that next step? Is he a real big time left tackle? or was it a one-off year because, you know, with the crazy COVID offseason last year, they didn't call any holding penalties, and he's about to return to his, like, 18 holding
1: penalties every single season. All right, the big question here, boys, how do the Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs? And the answer is they don't. They have to build a time machine to go back to the early 2010s when Peyton Manning was the prime in his prime or at the end of his prime. They haven't won since Peyton Manning was the quarterback. That has that the last time the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs, Peyton Manning was the quarterback. It's been 11 straight. It's going to be 12 and 13 straight. I would say it's going to be 14 straight if they play, make the playoffs. But the Denver Broncos aren't making the playoffs.
2: Oh, uh, wow. Bars. Wow. All no, right. I'm going with if they get competent quarterback play. This team is good enough. Literally everywhere else. Uh, you know, like Maddie said, linebackers a little weak, but that's fine. Uh, linebackers in the NFL not required. Um, I think if they get confident quarterback play, if Drew Locke can play as an average quarterback, this team could be really good because they are just that talented everywhere else. I have faith in this defensive coaching staff to come up with a game plan to limit Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid enough. Not obviously you're never going to fully limit it, the chief's offense, but I have faith that they can do that. They get a little bit of something on the offensive side of the ball. They could be a little spicy. I think it's actually a pretty easy path here. So whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke
3: taking a step, they start to execute Pat Shermer's you know, offensive game plan. They use this talented roster, and they keep it close to the Chiefs. They're able to matriculate the ball down the field, eat up time of possession, score some points. And then, out of nowhere, the Chiefs signed Tyler Bray to come on and play quarterback in place of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. And that... The way that Denver Broncos are ever going to get a lead and beat the Chiefs is if Patrick Mahomes does not return to a game that Tyler Bray tries to throw and fumble away.
1: I mean, we've seen this team beat the Broncos with a backup quarterback because Patrick Mahomes got hurt and they whooped them. They embarrassed him on national television at home. I would say, you know, the way the Broncos beat the Chiefs is if it's a quarterback dance-off, but we know that's not true, even though Mahomes doesn't exactly have that many moves. All right, who is the Chiefs' non-Patrick Mahomes MVP against the Denver Broncos, Craig?
2: Man, I think I've got to go with Tyreek Hill. I think that this is a chance for him to shine against one of the NFL's best secondaries. I just got done talking about how elite they are, how good they have the potential of being. We've seen Tyreek Hill really step up against those types of defenses, against those types of teams, because he wants to show that he can run with the best in the business. I think he's going to feel like this is the team that he has to put it on to kind of cement where he stands in the NFL. So I'm really thinking that Tyreek Hill is going to have a monster game in this one.
3: We've said it over and over again here. This Denver Broncos one defensive weakness is the linebacker room. And guess who feasts on poor linebacker play? Travis Kelsey does. You're not going to cover him with Josie Jewell. <laughs> You're not going to cover him with AJ Alexander, who's a good player. Travis Kelsey is going to be open all over the field versus this zone defense, which is a terrific zone defense, but it's zone defense. That's what Travis Kelsey lives for. He's going to have 150 plus yards. Two, three touchdowns as he jumps over, you know, poor Justin Simmons trying to dive through and make tackle at the goal line. Travis Kelsey, non-Patrick Mahomes MVP. I think that's what, 12 straight now for him?
1: I don't know. It's something crazy like that. (laughs) Give me the honey badger, Tyron Matthew. If Drew Locke is playing this in this game, Tyron Matthew has Drew Locke's number. He has young quarterbacks numbers. He has guys that try to be aggressive with the football's numbers. Tyron Matthew, his instincts, his ball skills, making plays in the secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs against Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory, the game preview edition for the week. Thank you so much for watching, listening, wherever you're consuming KCSN content. You can can, can consume more at kcsn.substack.com. There, you can also find links to our merchandise, which Maddie Lane's a player in. Thank y'all, we appreciate you. We'll catch you later.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.